Hey, good morning, everyone. The people in the back look so far away. All you back, let's all give a hand to the backsliders way in the back, okay? No, <laughs> I see you back there. I want to make you guys come up and get saved at the end at altar call. All you backsliders. Hey, it's so great. I know it's a little different, a little different feel, but um, I, listen, um, I just really want to thank, I, we are so blessed at our church with so many wonderful volunteers and pretty much the majority of the things that happen around this church happen because of you and your heart to serve the Lord. So I'm so grateful for you. I am so grateful for our worship team and our sound team. They've had to pivot so much this summer with outdoor moving here. Um, thank you guys. They're here during the week taking time off from work to try to get all this done. We've got volunteers that came yesterday to help just move the chairs and to start the work um, in the sanctuary and um, to, to get those things done. So thank you, thank you, thank you guys have done an absolutely wonderful job. You know, I was just thinking while we were singing that last song. I have to be reminded of God's power in my life, that he is there. All week at VBS, we talked about God's power. And while we were singing that song, I was like, God, you are so powerful to do the work that you desire to do. You're powerful to change us, to rearrange us, to forgive us. There's the power of God to change anything that's going on in your life, any addiction you may have, any struggle you may have, whatever the sin may have. Do you realize that our God is all-powerful, that he can change lives? So I was just, it just that was uh, just reiterated in my heart again this week, and how many uh, children came to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. God is so good. It was a good week. It's a good week. Amen, Ruth. All right. I have no idea where Ruth is, but she's out there somewhere. She's out there. I hear you, Ruth. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to say one thing before we jump in. We're continuing our series on the on the Ten Commandments. Um, Brandon failed to mention about the triathlon. Just let me mention this. Um, next Sunday at church, at the end of the service, the team that raises the most money is going to get slimed on stage next Sunday. So if you want to see uh, Pastor Brandon get slimed, then start giving towards his cause. If you want to see me get slimed, I hate you. And if you if you want to see the girls get slimed, do it. so I think, are the girls still in front? Are the girls still leading? The, barely. The girls are still leading. You would, I never wanted to lose at something more in my whole life than this. And I would love to see that next week. So you got to make sure you come uh, next week. So we're excited about that. And thank you. We, I don't know how much money has been raised so far, Brandon. Did you know? Almost $2,000 have been raised so far for those causes. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, praise God for that. Amen. Amen. God is good. Uh, we are, uh, this summer, we've been jumping into a series looking at um, the Ten Commandments, and uh, we're going to jump into that and continue that in August and, and part of September. Um, you know, I was thinking about as we were it, halfway through the Olympics, uh, I was thinking about uh, these elite athletes and how companies will endorse these elite athletes because, you know, if you win a gold or you're the 
you're one of the elite NBA players or NFL players, you, you want that person to endorse your particular brand. So I did a little study on how much some of these elite athletes um, make. One of the one of the top uh, getters of of monies for endorsements. Um, is LeBron James. He's one. So I, I looked, I go, I wonder how much LeBron James, how much his endorsements are. Uh, those of you that don't know, uh, 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 you know, LeBron James, he's, you know, elite basketball player, incredible basketball player. Um, he makes $30 million a year to endorse Nike, just Nike. Now, he makes over $64 million in all his endorsements, and it's just incredible. Now, Michael Jordan has made through Nike and his association with Nike over the years $1.3 billion. Not just endorsements, not just getting paid to play the game, but just an endorsements. If an athlete no longer represents the company in a good way, they can easily drop their endorsements. So for a company, they choose who they want to endorse and they want a top athlete to represent them, especially that athlete that is elite in their sport or best in their sport. So this has everything to do with what we're talking about Today, So we're looking, we're taking a close look at the Ten Commandments. And the commandment that we're going to look at today um, has everything to do with how we represent God to the world. And I'm going to give you a different look that maybe you've never heard before on the commandment of not using the Lord's name in vain. And we're going to take a really close look at this commandment. And I want us to understand the reason behind the Ten Commandments, because I think sometimes we look at it as like this list of do's and don'ts and God's trying to take away our joy, but actually it's just the opposite. God's desire for us is to give us security in him, knowing that when we obey him, we find joy in him. And I think sometimes we look at the commandments as something that God is trying to take away from us, but it's actually something that God gives to us. It's a gift that God gives to us. So I want to, I want us to closely examine this commandment number four and understand the deeper meaning here. So this commandment has everything to do with how we represent God to the world. And I think we can have a wrong idea about the Ten Commandments that is, well, that's Old Testament. You know, is it relevant for today? I want you to understand they are for our good, not to gain God's acceptance and to try to make him love us more. That would be works. But I want you to understand the commandments are an avenue that allow us to enjoy our relationship with God and our relationship with others. How many of you want to have a good relationship with God? How many of you want to have good relationships with one another? That's what the commandments are all about. If we understand this, our relationship with God will be healthy and our relationship with one another will be healthy. God wanted the Israelites to understand what true freedom was. Living in Egypt represented bondage. Living under God meant freedom. God was their deliverer. God was their salvation. God was the one that brought them through the Red Sea to take them out of that bondage, to have a relationship with them and give them freedom. So God freed them from Egypt and brought them into the desert. So here they are, they're free. And the commandments that God gave them and gave to Moses would show them how to live in that freedom. You were once in bondage. You realize you couldn't get out of it. There's no way they could have got out of that bondage on their own. 
There's no way they could have gotten out of Egypt on their own. God never wanted them to forget, I am the one that rescued you. May we never forget that God and God alone is the only one that could rescue us, that could save us. It has nothing to do with me and my works and my goodness. It's all about what God did for me. It's all dependent on him. And this is what God wanted the Israelites to understand. So by living within the boundaries of these commandments, it would bring freedom to their lives healthiness with their relationship with God and others. So Israel couldn't free themselves. They needed to deliver. So the law is not a list for us to follow perfectly so that we can earn salvation. There was no way that they could keep the law perfectly. The law is a guide and shapes the way we live and the way we relate to God and the way we relate to one another. So obedience to God should come from a heart of gratitude for what he has done for us. So God wanted the Israelites to appreciate, to have gratitude, to have thankfulness that I delivered you from your bondage, that you couldn't get out of yourself. And this is the difference. If we serve God out of drudgery or out of compulsion, it's not going to be a good relationship. But we understand the great lengths that God has went through to rescue us. Now my obedience comes out of a heart of gratitude and thankfulness because I know how much he loves me and how much I didn't deserve it, yet God still rescued me from my sins. So this is how God wants us to serve him, not out of compulsion. I have to. Um, he wants us to enjoy our relationship with him. And so having a relationship with God meant freedom. And so let's take a look at commandment number four. Exodus 27 says this. It says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Use the Lord of the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Now, many times I think what we, we see here is that, does that mean that we can't say a cuss word and then that's it? So as long as I don't say a bad word, I'm good. Right, God? As long as I don't say a bad word, I'm good. You hit, you hit your finger with a hammer, Right. And a bad word comes out and you're like, oh man, I just broke the fourth commandment again, right? I, I, you know, it, it, is that all it means? Is, is, is that what's going on here? I want you to say there is so much more what's going on in this short verse or in this commandment number four. Carmen Imes, who is a, is a scholar in the Old Testament, says this. This is what it means. It means this. The commandment is telling the Israelites not to misrepresent Yahweh. So here's, here's where I want you guys. I may look back. I love this. I can actually point to something now instead of always point. People are like, what are you, why do you keep pointing to the side walls? I'm always pointing to the screens on the other in the sanctuary. So I can point here and not look like I don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, I still don't know what I'm doing. But anyways, I can at least point that way. Um, I love this because this takes it to a different meaning than me not just saying a bad word. There's something so much deeper going on here. Do not misrepresent my name. That's what God is telling them. You see, at Mount Sinai, God reveals his name to them and puts his name on their, uh, on his people. So on their sandals, it wasn't Nike, right? Or Adidas. It was Yahweh on their sandals. You didn't know that, did you? Right? That's, they were representing God, right? They were in, 
that's they're endorsing. They were endorsing God. And so um, God wanted to know, you are my people. You are my people, not just my people, but I want you to understand that you're going to represent my name to the world. Don't take that lightly. Don't take that lightly. Just as an athlete would represent the company who they endorse, the Israelites would represent God to the world. So just as Aaron and the priest in Exodus carried the name of Yahweh, so God commanded his people to symbolically carry his name. Don't misuse my name. Don't use my name in vain. God's desire for his children were to live in such a way that they would not bring dishonor to his name. And the commandments would help shape their lives to actually bring honor to his name that would be a witness to the world of the power of Yahweh. So Jesus, listen, it's interesting. There's a great parallel here in the Lord's Prayer. Jesus told his disciples how to pray. You remember? the Lord's Prayer. He said, this then, how you you should pray. How should we pray, Jesus? He says this, pray this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Everyone say hallowed. Hallowed be your name. Now, what is Jesus saying? What does the word hallowed mean? The word hallowed means to sanctify. Now, this is interesting. John Piper makes a great point here when he says, when God sanctifies us, it means that he makes us holy. It means that he makes us holy. But when we sanctify God, it means that we treat him as holy. This is the connection between uh, the fourth commandment and the Lord's prayer. And what does it mean here? That we are not to treat, we are to treat God's name as holy, not unholy. Don't take his name for granted. Don't treat his name as something that is common. God's name is holy, and it's the complete opposite of really using his name in an unworthy manner. See, we treat God's name as holy by living in obedience to him. So God doesn't want us to misrepresent his name by actually, by the way we live. So listen, it's not just saying, oh, good, I didn't say a bad word. Check that off. I'm following the fourth commandment. It's so much deeper than that. What God is saying is, don't misrepresent my name by the way you actually live. It goes so much deeper than that. Are you living in a way that is making God's name unworthy? Isn't it fun? Isn't that a great way to look at it? Because sometimes we're always looking, well, how does it make me look? Right? Oh, good. I did, you know, this is the problem with cultural Christianity sometimes. I'm just going to go off on a beat. I'm just, can I just go off right now? This is, I've lived in Christianity for a long time. And many times in churches, we feel good about ourselves by the way we look, by the way we dress, by the way we talk. All those things are fine, right? We should talk right. We shouldn't use cuss words, whatever. I mean, we, we, we need to be careful of those things. But sometimes we wear it as a badge of honor, like, look at me by what I say. And we don't look at it like, wait a minute, what's the real reason why I don't do this? Because it makes me look good, so then creeps in this self-righteousness like the Pharisees? Or am I more concerned by the way I live my life because I want to make sure that I'm representing God correctly? Is that good? That's good. That spoke to my heart. 
that's where we need to be careful. Not how it makes you look or you look better than the next Christian around you or you're not using as many cuss words as that person. That's not what this is talking about. Our heart's desire should be more about pleasing God and how do you look? How am I representing you, God? I want to give you the glory, not myself. I want to make sure that I'm representing you well. And that's what's at the heart of this fourth commandment. God does not want us to misrepresent his name by the way we live. It's so much deeper than just using his name in an unworthy manner. I want you to think of it this way. Um, I'm just too chicken to do this. I've never do this. But if you have a tattoo, um, you carry that wherever you go, right? It, it, it's, it's a, you are reminded uh, of that when you look at it or every time you see it or someone else asks you about it. So some of you may have tattoos that, you know, you know, represent God or whatever, your salvation or, or whatever, or maybe you had some things BC before Christ and you're like, gosh, I wish I could cover that thing up now, but whatever. So, um, and I'm just too chicken to ever get one, so I would never get one. But it's interesting. Um, how many of you have been watching the Olympics? Okay, five of you. What, what do you guys do with your lives? All right, it's okay. So um, we we <laughs> VBS. Someone said VBS. <laughs> um, I love watching the swimming. I I love it. And um, one of the top American swimmers this year was uh, Caleb Dressel. He 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 won five gold medals. I would say that's pretty good. He had a pretty good, he had a pretty good, pretty, pretty good Olympics. And, um, it was incredible just watching him. He got a, a world record in one of the events and, um, he has a, uh, tattoo on his shoulder all the way down his arm. It just looks cool. It's a huge Eagle that just kind of comes up and I'm like, Kathleen, I think I want to get one, but I'm gonna get a pigeon. I'm gonna get a pigeon. Look at my pigeon. Check that out. Um, but his, I mean, you know, these swimmers are just chiseled, you know what I mean? So he's got this huge eagle. And actually, uh, this morning I did some, I just looked up who he was. I didn't know a whole lot about him. I knew he was in the other Olympics. And come to find out, he's a Christian. And that um, tattoo is Isaiah forty thirty one. I like him because he cries a lot. So I go, if cool Caleb Dressel can cry a lot, it makes me feel better about me crying a lot. So that, and he says that. He goes, I cry a lot, so I, I relate to him. So it's good. But Isaiah 4, if you don't know what Isaiah forty thirty one it says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That's pretty cool. And see, this is, this is what I want you to see. When we carry God's name, we carry it everywhere we go. And we are to treat it as holy. So you, you may ask, well, well, you know, Pastor, how, how does that practically look? How, how can I represent God in the, in the right way? And the prophet Ezekiel reiterates this very point to backslidden Israel and how they forgot this commandment and how they got so immersed in their lives and the nations around them. They began to serve these other gods. They began to turn away from God in that healthy relationship with God. And then their relationships with one another began to deteriorate. And Ezekiel explains why God sent Israel into exile, not, not because he didn't love them, 
but it was discipline and judgment because he wanted to draw them back to himself. And Ezekiel 36, 23 says this. He says, and I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you, through, listen, through you, I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. This is a powerful verse because God did not give up and was not going to give up on Israel. But he said, the reason why I'm doing this is because I want to restore that right relationship with you that you lost with me. And that because of that, my name has been profaned before the nations by the way you've been living. And I want to restore you back to that right relationship that I will, that my name will now be vindicated before the nations by the way you live before me, by returning to me and allowing me to heal you, to cleanse you and to forgive you of your sins. This is a great verse on hope for every one of us here. Every single one of us here have lived our way at some certain point and we've profaned the name of God. We lived our own way. We've done our own thing. We've ignored God. And God, through his graciousness and his mercy, has sent his son to restore that right relationship with us, that, that we now serve God in the right way, that we can be restored to God, and that we can represent God the correct way before the world. So what happened is God says, I'm going to vindicate my holy name through you. God's people messed up. And God's name needed to be restored. And God desires to use us to restore his name by the way we live it, by the way we live before God, and by our witness to the world on how we live for God. It's a testimony to the world of who God is. So what happens is they didn't uphold the name of the Lord. They disobeyed him. And God's name was taken for granted and they lived in an unworthy manner. In fact, the word vain there, you know, don't use the, you know, in some translations, the word vain, don't, don't use the Lord's name in vain. It literally means with little effect. So the word vain means little effect. It becomes, it eventually becomes meaningless. And what happens is, it, doesn't this happen in all kinds of relationships? You get used to somebody and you get familiar, don't you? And you begin to take each other for granted. And see, what happens here is God's name lost its effectiveness in their lives because they forgot that God was a holy God and they forgot who he was and they forgot what he did for them. They stopped sharing the stories from one generation to the next generation that God was the one that delivered them from Egypt, that God was the one that that restored them, that God was the one that brought them through the Red Sea. And if you read through the book of Judges, you can see that, that there's a whole generation that grew up that neither knew the stories of God or his wonderful working power because they stopped living it. They forgot the name of the Lord and they began to live for themselves and they began to turn to the things of this world to satisfy their sinful desires and they turned away from God. See, the, the vain meaning here is treating something with little worth. And God says, I don't want you to treat 
my name as if it were familiar. And we know the more familiar we become with something, the greater the risk of taking that thing for granted, right? We can take life for granted. We, 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 we can take relationships for granted. We, we all do it. It's easy. It's an easy fade for us to do. Um, and God says, I don't want you to, to take my name for granted. I want to have that relationship with you. And so the commandments help guardrail against us, our guardrails to, to help us not to take the Lord's name in vain or to take it in a familiar way so that we don't begin to depend on ourselves and begin to walk away from the Lord and realize that God and God alone is the only one who can save. You know, when someone commonly uses the name Jesus Christ, you're out in the world and you hear it all the time, right? Somebody just, and you know, next time you hear that, just look at that person and say, yeah, I know him too. He's my savior. I, it sounds like you have a good relationship with him because you just use his name like 15 times. That's really cool. Um, you know, maybe they're mad or maybe it's just part of their vocabulary. But why does it upset us for followers of Jesus? Why does it upset us? You know, if, if, if someone were to use your wife's name in a derogatory way, right? If somebody uses my wife in a derogatory way, you know, you would, you would be offended because you love that person. She's your wife. You, you care about her. Or he's your husband. When someone uses the name Jesus in an unworthy manner, it hurts. Why? Because we worship that name. We understand that Jesus is our Savior. We understand the lengths and the depths he's went through to reach us with his love. He gave his love for us. It becomes personal, doesn't it? So now we do everything possible within our hearts to protect that name, don't we? That's why it, 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 it hurts, because we have that personal relationship with Jesus. And so we need to ask ourselves a question is am I living in a way that's bringing honor to my Savior's name? It's a, so how do we make this practical and not just using cuss words? I mean, how do, we, how do we make this practical on honoring God's name before the world so we're not using his name in vain? Here's what it means. Are you ready? Here's the practical side. It's in the way I treat people. Am I bringing honor to Jesus' name by the way I treat people? Do my actions and how I speak, do I gossip? Do I do other things? Those are the things that dishonor the name of Jesus. How am I representing his name by the way I treat, by, by the way I by the way I, I, I represent myself in the Lord, uh, by my actions? How, how I hold my tongue. Do I, is the first thing I think about is how is this representing Jesus? When, when someone cuts me off, because this is my problem. Someone cuts me off on the road. I got to think about the, you know, if you want to get back to that person or you, you, whatever that you, you just want to say something like, what are you doing? You're a horrible driver. Let me have your license. Right. Now, how do I, how do I process this by saying, what, how, instead of thinking that way, am I thinking, I'm speaking to myself right now. Am I thinking, how am I representing God? Am I taking his name in vain in this situation? Now, you didn't say a cuss word, but zip-dee-doo-da-day. That's not what it means. How am I representing God by my actions? How I speak about other people? How am I doing? 
See, the way I treat people, am I bringing honor to Jesus? It's not just saying a cuss word. We must understand that we carry the name of Christ everywhere we go. We are God's creation. We are created in his image. We are God's image bearers. And we need to understand that sin broke that relationship and we're all born with a sinful nature. And what Jesus comes, Jesus comes to restore our relationship back with God so that we represent his name correctly. See, through Christ, we are made holy and God's name is restored back in our lives. So how am I bearing the name of Christ in my life? And here's the thing. God wants us to have such a close relationship with him that he wants us to think about him all the time, right? Every choice we make, every decision we make, Jesus needs to be in the forefront of those decisions. As we pray, God, what do you want? How do you want me to respond to this situation? I know how I want to respond, right? I know how I want to respond in my flesh. I just want to tell that person where it's at. I don't like what they did. I don't like the decision they made, whatever. So I just want to tell them what I, but Jesus, how do you want me to respond? Because that relationship is much more important than me just blurbing something out, right? How am I representing Christ in my relationships, in my work relationships, in my family relationships? God, how am I representing you? And so I want you to see that the commandments are their guardrail, that guard, that relationship that we have with God and that we have with one another. And that's what we'll continue to traverse through as we get deeper into the commandments. So as we take communion today, communion, what I love about communion, it can be a reset in our lives. Because when we take communion, what we're doing is we're remembering what Christ has done for us. And we go back. Jesus says, whenever you do this, he wanted us never to forget. Just like God said to the Israelites, I never want you to forget that I'm the one that delivered you. I'm the one that brought you through the Red Sea. Jesus reminds us and his disciples at that time, I never want you to forget the sacrifice that I made for you to cleanse you, to deliver you to bring you back into a right relationship with God. So when we take communion, as we just, as we pray in just a moment, I just want you to ask God, God, you have that moment with him, with Christ. And the beautiful thing about a relationship with Jesus is that there's forgiveness, that we can come to him and humble ourselves. And Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of all our unrighteousness and to cleanse us anew and afresh. And maybe your relationship with Christ is stagnant. Maybe he says, man, I've, I've blown it in so many ways, or I haven't represented you the, the way I should. You know, I, this isn't a guilt trip. I don't want you to feel, but I don't want you to feel guilty and just beat yourself up, beat yourself up. But what I want you to do is run to the Savior. Run to Christ and allow him to forgive you. And then say, Jesus, I need your help because here are some areas in my life that definitely need some work on. And, and I need you to help me in those areas because I don't want to misrepresent you to the world. I want your name to be glorified. And when I make a mistake, I want to, I want uh, to be humble enough to recognize that, to be vulnerable before the world that I've made a mistake. 
that's where God's forgiveness and help comes into our lives. And so when we take communion, what it does, it, it humbles us. It brings us back to the cross and the forgiveness that Jesus desires to give to each and every one of us. And just remember this, just like the Israelites could not deliver themselves, we can't either. We need a Savior. And it's only through the blood of Jesus Christ that we can find healing and forgiveness and cleansing from our sin. So I just want you to just take a moment before we take communion, before I pray. And I just want you to bow before your Savior. Maybe you're here today and you've never have come to Christ or asked him to be your Lord and Savior, you can do that right at your seat and just ask Christ to come in. Just say, I'm a sinner. I need you, Jesus. Come into my life. And you can find God's healing and forgiveness and grace as it floods into your life if you, as you turn your life to him. So just take a moment and just ask the Lord, is there areas in my life that I need to, to work on that I'm not representing you? correctly and forgive me for that. So let's just take a moment and just do that before I pray. Thank you, Father. Father God, we're so thankful for your forgiveness today. We are all sinners and we've all fallen short of your perfection and your glory. I pray today as we take communion, as we sing this last song, Lord, that we would never forget the sacrifice that Jesus had made for us. That it's only through his perfectly shed blood that we could find forgiveness in our lives. I pray that that if lives need to be restored back to you, that you would do that in, in, in hearts and lives today, whether those watching online or those here today live, Lord, that you would restore hearts back to you, that, Lord, you would forgive us. And we've all done it. We've blown it at times where we've just misrepresented your name and we treated your name lightly and we didn't um, take you serious, God, in areas of our lives. So we pray that you would just restore us once again and may we be ever remindful as we are in the world that we never take a vacation from representing you. That, Lord, we can't just say, I serve you on Sunday, but the rest of the week it's my life. That if we are truly followers of you, we represent you everywhere we go. Help us to be remindful of that as we honor your name, as we sanctify your name as we treat your name as holy by the way we live our lives each and every day, by the way we treat our spouse, by the way we treat those that we disagree with or that may not agree with us. Help us to treat your name as holy in every situation. Convict our hearts. We thank you for your love. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take the cup together. Can we just say amen? God is good.